your voices with it. How great is our God? And how great is our God? Sing with me. How great is our God? And all will sing. How great, how great is our God? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Amen. As I said earlier, I appreciate you coming out. I know the weather doesn't always agree. Uh, it's been crazy. Matter of fact, I hope most of you got the word that we had canceled last week. We try to do our best to let everybody know it'll always be on uh, the raised weather or it'll be on the church's Facebook page or one of those you can find it. Uh, we do have a texting tree or whatever that goes out to let people know and if you'd like to put on that list you can write your name uh, on that blue sheet put your phone number on there tear it off and we'll put you on the texting list and uh, hopefully we can just keep adding to it it seems like all the bad weather like this week always waits until saturday night um, or sunday sometime early in the morning it just drives me crazy for the pastor that has to make that decision uh, i'd rather it snow a blizzard on saturday night than wait until sunday morning last week i got up at six o'clock in the morning and it looked fine and it was just wet and I thought uh, we're going to be able to have church everything's going to go good I got ready and went back out and checked about 30 minutes later and it had started icing up and then by 7 uh, 30 it was an ice storm and uh, so that's why we canceled and it seemed like the worst of it hit from about 9 till noon for some reason and then it cleared up and it was a beautiful Sunday so I don't know I just know that it drives us crazy uh, and it's making a mess of travel not just here but all over the country between last week's system and this weekend system i think they said during the week they've canceled over a thousand flights now can you imagine being somewhere trying to get somewhere else for the holidays or being on business and trying to get somewhere uh, with all of these flights and these interconnections that are being connected and then canceled uh, i had a friend that was matter of fact from texas that was preaching in nebraska last weekend at a conference for another friend's church and he was supposed to fly back sunday to come back to texas and he left sunday afternoon went to the airport he ended up getting home thursday night uh, he spent uh, nights in omaha a night in denver a night in Chicago and then finally got home. Uh, so you can imagine what that's like. I mean, traveling is a mess anyway, trying to especially get on an airplane apart from having to wait, apart from having to deal with all that mess. Uh, matter of fact, next time you're in an airport and you're waiting for a plane, I want you to look around and, and notice that you'll always notice two types of people that are gathered there waiting for the airplane. There are those that have a confirmed ticket, uh, those that have their ticket and their seat confirmed, and you can always tell who they are because they're always sitting off over on the side, relaxed, uh, checking their iPads, uh, looking at their phones, reading the newspaper, eating. They look relaxed. And then there are those that are flying standby. And you can always tell the difference between confirmed and standby because standby are the ones that are pacing in front of the counter waiting for the people to call out their name. They're always looking at papers and uh, they're always going back up. And if you look at their face, you can tell such a different 
demeanor between those that are confirmed and those that are on standby. I had a friend tell me one time the reason it's called standby is because you get to stand at the window and wait by while the plane leaves. Uh, and that seems to have been true for a lot of times when I was flying standby. But the difference between the two groups, the difference between their actions, the difference between their behavior is their confidence level in the ticket they hold. You see, if you've got a confirmed ticket, you're confident. You can go over here and sit, relax, read your newspaper, eat a meal. But if you're not confirmed, if you don't hold the ticket to get on that plane, you can't relax. You're nervous and you're stressed. And you see, by that same token, there's two types of Christians here this morning. And we learned two weeks ago as we dove into 1 John chapter 5, there are those Christians here this morning that are struggling with the Christian life. There are those of you here this morning that are having a difficult time living a life that God's called you to, that God saved you for. Uh, Some of you that are getting beat up, the world is beating you up. Sin is overwhelming you. Uh, It's a struggle to do the right thing. It's a struggle even to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And then there are others of you here this morning that are walking in victory. Uh, You're not perfect, but you're feeling some victory in your life. You're feeling like you've overcome. You're feeling like God is giving you a victory in different areas of your life. Now, what separates the two? What makes a difference between those that are getting beat up, those that hope, uh, the term we used a couple weeks ago was just to survive, those that hope to, you know, so many Christians just feel like if I hunker down and hold on and I can make it to the final whistle or I can make it to the final bell, then I will have been a success. What's the difference between those kind of people and the Christians that are walking in victory? Well, just like it was for the difference between standby and confirmed, it's a matter of your ticket. It's a matter of your faith in believing what the Word of God says about you. You see, faith is the difference. Faith is the key. Faith is what separates getting beat up and walking in victory. And as we learned a couple of weeks ago, John, in 1 John chapter 5, introduced us to a term that is a promise for everyone in this room. And it's a promise to walk in victory. You see, we sing victory in Jesus. We talk about and sing there is power in the blood. But the real question for you and I this morning, if we looked at our lives this week, just go back one week or or one weekend and look at your life. Would your life be described by victory in Jesus or power in the blood? Or would you describe your week as just barely getting by, just barely surviving, just squeaking through, just barely making it? You see, the difference in your actions, in your demeanor, in your attitude, all comes from your faith in the promises of God. And last week or two weeks ago, we talked and discovered the promise that John introduced us to. This morning, uh, part two, really, of that message, and you don't have to have heard it to get anything out of this morning, but I encourage you, if you weren't here two weeks ago, go and listen to it online. Uh, but this morning, as we introduced the promise two weeks ago, this morning, I'm going to talk about how you can claim that promise, how you can go from standby to confirmed, how you can go from uh, just squeaking by to standing in victory, whatever the circumstance that you face, whatever the situation that you face. So if you have a Bible, I want you to turn to 1 John chapter 5, and uh, you can look at it there on your blue sheet. I gave you some. 
You know, John tells us that this victory that is ours is not based on circumstance. It's not based on situation. It's not based on how bad your life is. It's not based on how good you are. It's all based on Jesus Christ. You see, because Christ had victory, and if we believe that Christ had victory, victory over sin, victory over temptation, victory over death, victory over the struggles of death, then now as believers in Jesus Christ, he has imparted that victory onto us. When we accepted Jesus Christ and we had the Holy Spirit put inside of us to come and live in us, we now have the ability to walk in victory. And you say victory in what? Victory in everything. There is not one circumstance, there is not one situation that you're facing that God has not promised victory over. You say, well, Pastor, you don't know what I'm struggling with. You don't know what's going on in my house. You don't know what the doctor just told us. You don't know what my checkbook looks like. You need to understand that John is telling us that Jesus, through his victory, gives you victory. The question is, why aren't you walking in it? Why are you still hunkered down? Why are you still beat up? Well, look what John says. 1 John chapter 5. I want to read it again. This isn't some principle to ponder. This is a promise for you and I, a promise for you. He says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. Now he's building a concept, belief, love, love the family, love the child, love the Father. For this is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. For this is love for God, to obey his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. That's the, the, the victory there. For this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Now, if you have a Bible that you're reading that, and underline that. He says, everyone that is born of God, who is born of God, those that put their faith and belief in Jesus Christ, overcomes the world. Now, we learned last week or two weeks ago that that is the Greek word, nikeo, and it is in the active participle. It is an active verb, but it's also active present, which what that means is, is that that word overcome, nikeo, is where we get the word Nike. It's where Nike was introduced shoes. It means victory. Uh, it means to mightily defeat. It means to be victorious in all things. That word, to mightily overcome, to mightily defeat, means what John is saying for you and I is that you and I overcame, you and I are overcoming, and you and I will overcome. So what, what does that mean? It means that you can have victory. When you accepted Jesus Christ, you went from death to life. You had victory. When you face struggles today, you can have victory. When you face struggles tomorrow, you can have victory. Overcome to mightily defeat to mightily vanquish. Now, I told you two weeks ago, he's not suggesting that we don't have a life of victory. It's not a life of problems. Matter of fact, it's just the opposite. He says to, to overcome is an indication that you're going to face difficulties. See, life is about struggle. We live in a sinful world. We're going to face difficulties. We're going to face struggles. We're going to face trials. But you see, what he is saying is that to be a victorious person, to overcome, means that we claim to the promise of God in every problem that we face. You see, to be victorious is not a life without problems, but a life that faces problems with a promise. 
And you see what victory is, it it is hanging on to that promise of God until the problems are defeated. It is walking through your problems by hanging on to this promise. See, for everything, I want you to listen to me. I want you to hear this. For everything the world can throw at you, sin, discouragement, disease, sickness, death, all of it, you can have victory. So you can have victory over death? Jesus did, and so can you. You can have victory over disease? Every time you face it, you can have victory over it. Everything that the world throws at us, John is saying, you can have victory. But the key to having victory is to lay hold of that promise, claim it, and live it. And the whole heart of this promise is found in our faith. Just like I said, that was the difference between somebody on standby and somebody that had a confirmed flight. The difference in somebody that's being beat up, somebody that's barely making it by, and somebody that's walking in victory is the difference of their faith. That's why John starts this passage out by saying, it is about your belief in God. Revelation tells us that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Do you know what a word of our testimony is? That's our faith. The Message Bible translates verse 5. I love how it says it. It says, the conquering power that brings the world to its knees is our faith. What is faith? It is simply believing that the Word of God is what it says it is. It's believing that God is who He says He is and He can do what He says He can do. It is believing that Jesus Christ was the Son of God that came down, born of a virgin, that lived a sinless life, that died as an atoning sacrifice for our sins, was buried, was resurrected on the third day and sits at the right hand of God. You see, if you believe that, if you believe that Jesus overcame, then this promise is for you. And it's the degree of faith that you have in those promises that allow you to walk in victory now did you catch that it's the degree of faith you have it's the amount that you believe that this is true that determines how you're going to live and how you're going to walk you see victory is not an external truth victory is an internal truth that's what the disciples struggled with see the disciples kept saying let's go take on the kingdom and Jesus said my kingdom's not out there it's in here it's up there. You see, victory is not something we wear on a t-shirt. It's not something we scream or shout in a worship song. Victory is something that we experience in our heart. And as we experience in our heart, it begins to resonate in our lives. And it begins to pour over everything that we touch. Victory is the discipline of allowing God's word to penetrate your heart in such a way that you can't help but have an attitude of victory. You see, it's a discipline. It means making an effort to get this word into your heart. And as the more you get it in your heart, the more you believe it. And the more you believe it, the more you act on it. It's the discipline of trusting and believing God's word regardless of what the circumstances are around you. Regardless of what situations that you face. Victory demands determination. See, victory is not a one-time action. 
It's not you declaring some word. I know we have the word of faith today, and people say, well, you just need to declare victory. Well, I don't care what you do. You can stand and declare victory from now until the end of time. If you're not trusting in Jesus Christ, if you're not allowing it to penetrate your heart, there's no victory there. You can come to church, and you can sing these songs, and you can smile, and you can sing overcome, and you can declare, listen, i got a disease, but I'm overcoming that disease. But let me tell you something. When you leave that place, if the victory is not in your heart, if the victory is not a part of your faith, that victory will be nothing more than an emotion. See, it's not a one-time decision. It's every day getting up and determining that the Word of God is true, and it matters to my life. Victory hears the criticism. Victory hears the questions. Victory feels the pain. It endures the suffering, but it clings to the promise of God. Victory works from the heart outward. But if you notice here in chapter 1, chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, John warns us of a couple of reasons why we don't have victory. See, if the victory is there for us as believers, and all we've got to do is claim that truth, make it a part of us, and let it live out of us, John says, but be careful. There are two things that keep us from walking in victory. The first thing he said there was love. Here he used the word love over and over again. That's the same word that John's already introduced to us. It's agape, agapeo. It is a sacrificial, self-giving love. You see, what John is reminding us again is, guess what? You can't walk in victory if you are not loving God and loving other members of the church, loving the body of Christ. I, I like the way somebody put it before. He said, you've got to love the Father and love the family. Because you see, John's told us that they're interconnected. If you don't love the family, then you're really not going to be in a right relationship with the Father. And if you're not loving the Father, you're not in a right relationship with the family. And so what John is reminding us is that you cannot claim victory if you have a love problem. If your love life with other believers is wrong, then you're not going to be able to walk in victory. Some of you are saying, Pastor, I'm trying to claim the faith, and I'm trying to walk it out in this victory, but I'm just not experiencing it. Well, the first thing you might need to do is check your love life. Look around and see if there's a person in the body of Christ that you have chosen not to love. Remember three weeks ago we talked about love is a choice. But it's not a choice to love. It's a choice to not love. Because God has said you are created to love. You will love. So if you're not loving somebody, it's not because you hadn't chosen to love them. It's because you chose not to love them. And you see, the reason so many Christians don't experience victory in every area of their life is because they are choosing not to love others in the body of Christ. Tell you something, some of you might need to forgive somebody. Some of you might need to let some things go. Some of you might need to give love uh, to those around you because your victory, your walking, your being an overcomer is hinging on your love issues. John said, if you're not loving, you can't walk in victory. And the second thing he said there in verse 2 is he says, if you're loving, then you will be obedient. Now, I want you to hear me. Obedience does not mean doing something so that God will love you or so that God will give you victory. Okay, God doesn't say jump through these three hoops and you'll have victory. But what God does say is as you obey him, you will begin to experience a faith in him that produces victory. See, I love the way John said. He said that, that the, the obedience of God, the commands of God are not burdensome. Now, that doesn't mean that if they're easy. What he says is by saying they're not burdensome, and I've heard people say that. We well, see, it says that obeying God's easy. Listen, obeying God is not easy. 
If it was easy, all of us would be walking in victory, and we see the kingdom of God rushing in and coming on. It's not easy, but what he's reminding us is that our obedience is hinged to our faith. You see, John's told us already that faith and obedience go hand in hand. When you're obeying God, when God says step out there and you step out there on faith, guess what happens? Your faith gets a little stronger. And God says step out there again and you step out here again. And all of a sudden your faith gets a little stronger. And all of a sudden the more you obey and the more you obey, all of a sudden you're starting to see victory in your life. And you never even expected it. You were just being obedient. But you see, when you're disobedient and you tell God no, or you tell God, I'm not going to do that, or I don't want to do that, or God tells you to do something, you do just the opposite. You see, what you're saying is, God, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to choose my way. God, I don't trust this to be truth, so I'm going to decide to do what I want to do. Guess what happens when you do that? You start putting your hope and trust in you instead of God. Guess what happens to your faith? It starts to shrink because it's not being used. So guess what happens to that person that's walking in disobedience, that's walking in sin, that's turning their back on God, that's been trusting themselves when all of a sudden a disaster comes. When all of a sudden they face a mountain, guess what happens? Say, God, where are you? God said, you hadn't needed me. You hadn't wanted me. You hadn't trusted me. If you didn't trust me in those little things, how you were going to spend your money, what you were going to do here, how you were going to, then how can all of a sudden you trust me when the doctor comes in and says it's cancer? You see, what John is reminding us is that faith is is the avenue towards victory. You see, obedience always drives us to a deeper faith. Claiming the promise of God always starts with faith, guys. It's always nurtured in love, but it's cultivated in victory. And that victory is found in obedience. See, John says you have a promise. You have overcome. You can overcome today. Think about that mountain you're facing. Think about that struggle you have. Think about those difficulties you're dealing with. It may be little. It may be huge. This morning, you can have victory. It's promised. Would you say, Pastor, I I don't feel it. Pastor, I get it. I I get that I'm overcome. I, I understand I can claim this victory. But you don't know what I'm dealing with. You don't know what my struggle is. I want to end this morning giving you a couple of practical steps to helping you do more than talk, do more than sing. I want to give you some practical steps to claiming the victory. If you're loving, those are the first checks. If you're walking in obedience and you're loving, then these are some things you can do practically to claim victory this morning. Whatever your circumstance, whatever your situation is. Nothing is too little. Nothing is too big for God. I don't want you sitting there saying, but pastor, God doesn't care about this. It's so tiny. Nothing is inconsequential. You're talking about God who knows the hair of your head. God who looked and and through Jesus said, look, look at the birds and and the, the fowl of the earth. They don't worry because I provide for them. He cares. So how can you claim victory in those? I want to give you five things, five words to help you remember. Real easy, real quick. And since we're talking about overcome, they're going to, I'm going to use over as a prefix. So five over words. Easy for you to remember. You can begin to do these things. You can begin to see victory in your life. The first one is overview. 
Overview. What does that mean? That means the first thing that you need to do whenever you face difficulty is take a step back. Take a breath and ask God to give you some perspective. You see, when you feel overwhelmed, sometimes the thing that overwhelms you seems much bigger than it really is. Do you hear me? When you feel beat up, sometimes the thing that's beating you up is not as big as you've made it to be. And the first way to gain victory in your life is whatever you're facing is to step back and gain some perspective, overview. Get a better look at it. Matter of fact, look at it from God's point of view. See, when you're in the midst of difficulties, when you're in the midst of trials and you keep focusing on those trials, all of a sudden those trials keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Why? Because you're not looking at God, you're looking at the trial. To gain victory, step back and get an overview. Get God's perspective. Remember who you have on your side. And that takes us to number two, overshadow. Overview, overshadow. To overshadow something means to take what you're facing and and overshadow it with God's presence. What does that mean? That means whatever you think is so big and so bad and it's hurting your life, you need to recognize that God's presence and God's power can overshadow it, can overwhelm it. Remember that God's promise and his power for victory is bigger than anything you're facing today. The worst thing that you can face, God will overshadow. Remember what the angel told Mary in the Christmas story? Next week, I'm going to talk about the Christmas story and the Christmas message. Uh, But remember, what? here's Mary, 14, 15, we don't know, maybe 13. All of a sudden, an angel comes and says, guess what? You're going to have a baby. Yeah, you're supposed to be married. Yeah, you're engaged, but you're going to have a baby. Can you imagine? You think your problems are big? Imagine in a Jewish culture where she could be stoned to death for sex outside of marriage. And the angel of God comes and says, surprise, get happy. You're having a baby. Can you imagine the stress and the scared and the worry and being overwhelmed? All of us in this room have felt those emotions. So in Luke 135, the angel says this to Mary. Listen, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Know what he was saying? I know you're stressed. I know you're worried. I know you're upset. I'm sending God to overshadow all of that. And then she, the angel ends in verse 37 and says, because nothing is impossible with God. See, you want victory in your life. What you need to do is let God's promises overshadow whatever it is you're facing. Overview, overshadow. Then the third thing is overpower. Overpower. Remember, Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Listen, I think sometimes we don't plug into the power that God's already given us through the Holy Spirit. We get overwhelmed with doubt and worry and stress and sidetracked by things that God could swat like that. We just don't realize the power we have. See, you need to stop allowing the little distractions of the world to become big distractions and then all of a sudden become speed bumps and then all of a sudden become mountains. 
Recognize the power that you have through Jesus Christ. Paul recognized the power of the Holy Spirit when Jesus said, I will come when I leave and give you another one just like me. Talking about the Holy Spirit, he described it in the Greek word dunamis. And that word dunamis is the same root that we get dynamite. And so what Jesus said is, I'm going to leave you with dynamite. Do you have dynamite in you? Most of us walk around like we've got a, a firecracker, sparkler. Right? Don't look at me spiritual. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, no. I, I got sick. I got a sickness. Oh, no. I've lost my job. God said Dynamite. There's nothing this world can throw at me that the power of God can't overcome. It's time that you start recognizing that you can overpower any circumstances and situations through the power of Jesus Christ. He said you can overview, you can overpower. You need to understand as you overshadow. And then the fourth thing, and this is what I love, you can overrule. What I mean by overrule, you can overrule. Remember, you know what a judge does? You, any of you ever been in a court? You, you've seen a judge? Somebody makes a point. Somebody says a statement and the judge says what? Boom, boom, boom. I overrule that. What does that mean? That means that what the judge says is final. You may have made a great point. That may have been truth to you. But guess what? I'm overruling it. See, the world says all kinds of lies. But God overrules them. The world can say that, that up is down and down is up, but God says, I overrule that. You need to allow God and his truth to overrule any decision, any problem, any adversity, anything that you face. You need to remember that God overrules it. I, I remember when Job facing all the struggles he faced. And do you remember what God did to, to overwhelm Job? Opened up a view of heaven and let Job start looking. Remember, Job was saying, God, who are you? How could you do this to me? And God said, who are you to question me? Have you ever brought out the storerooms of snow or the storerooms of, of rain or the storerooms? And he began to let him look at heaven. And when he saw heaven, Job was overwhelmed. And this is what Job said. He said, Lord, now I know you can do all things and no purpose of yours can ever be thwarted. Do you know what that means? That means God has the final say overruled so you know what that means for you and me that means the acceptance or approval of the crowd doesn't define me my success and my self-worth is not based on what everyone in this world says god says overruled you are mine i love you you are perfect and you are well made and loved you see that means to you and i that pain and suffering and loss don't control my spirit god does overruled can you grasp that promise? That means to you and I that disease and doctors don't number my days. A doctor may come and say, you only have this amount of time to live. Guess what? He's not in control. Overruled. God is still in control. He wasn't surprised by the mountain you're up against. He wasn't taken off guard. He wasn't shocked. He knew what was coming. And guess what? He will have the final say. It's time for you to start claiming the victory that is yours by recognizing that God is in control. Victory is found in trusting him. You see, what the world says is an end, God says is just a new beginning. 
What's the worst that the world can throw at you? Death. Guess what? God says that's not the end. That's just the start. Overruled. You need to claim victory by overruling, by overpowering, by overshadowing. And the last thing, by overflowing. By overflowing. And this is probably the most important thing to help you grasp. Overflow your life with Christ's goodness, power, and worship. The Word of God will promise that I turn your mourning into laughter. I will turn your sorrow into dancing. What does that mean? That means if you will allow the Word of God and the truth of God to overflow your heart, the least of your worries will be the problem you're facing. That went right over some of your heads and you didn't even hear it. You focus on God and worshiping God and honoring God and putting this truth into your heart. Like the old hymn said, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim. Why? Because you're focusing on him. And all of a sudden that mountain's not so big anymore. All of a sudden that empty bank account and so life ending. All of a sudden, losing that job's not the end of the world. All of a sudden, that disease is not the finish line. Why? Because God's still in control and he's still worthy of our worship. I love Acts tells us Paul and Silas were in prison, Acts 16. Late at night, they were under a threat of death. You remember the story. They were going to be killed. They, they were uh, arrested with the threat of being stoned to death. And it says, at, late at night, it's dark. They're in a dungeon, really. They begin to worship and they begin to pray. Matter of fact, the Bible says they begin to sing loudly. They're under the threat of death. They, they're in a dark dungeon. No one knows they're there. What do they do? They start worshiping. You see, they weren't looking for a way out. They were looking for a way up. And in looking for a way up, guess what happened? As they began to sing, the Bible says the earth began to shake. And the walls began to shake. And the doors began to come open. And in looking for a way up, God provided a way out. You see, what John wants us to know is there is victory today in whatever you're struggling with. But it comes from trusting him. It comes from leaning on him. Victory is the promise of God for every person in this room. That may not come the way you expect it to come. It may not look the way that you wanted it to look. But when you're trusting God, you'll always see it. Reminds me of the story of the man at the pool of Bethesda. You remember the crippled man been sitting at the pool? The story tells us, tradition tells us at the pool there at Bethesda that once a year the waters would be stirred and the first one to go in the water would be completely healed. Jesus was walking by and he comes across, there's a, Bible says, an old crippled man that had been sitting on those steps for 38 years. 38 years waiting to claim the promise of healing. 38 years waiting to get in the water. And Jesus is going by and Jesus looks at him and says, hey, do you want to get healed? Do you want the promise? You know what the old man said? He said, I don't have anybody to put me in the water. He was looking at his mountains. He was looking at the circumstances. 
Jesus didn't ask, do you need some help? Jesus didn't ask, are you waiting for somebody to come around? Jesus said, do you want the promise? Do you want healing? And this morning, I'm telling you, the Son of God, the power of God, the Spirit of God is calling out to you, do you want victory? Stop looking at your circumstances. Stop looking at your situations and claim it by faith. Starts with your heart. You're tired of just surviving, tired of getting by, tired of just making it. Allowing circumstances to dictate who you are, situations to dictate your emotions and your attitude and your heart. Are you ready to claim victory in Jesus? All you have to do is claim it, trust Him, believing. Starts with your heart this morning. Let's pray. Father, I believe there's some believers here that are tired of flying standby. They're tired of living in stress. They're tired of more questions than answers. They're tired of getting beat up. They're tired of, uh, of just making it. Father, we need victory in the church. We need believers that trust you, that believe in you, that love you and love each other, and that walk in obedience and stand in victory. Father, I pray that would be a reality for believers here this morning. Father, I pray that those that are struggling, that the world has told them they're not good enough, they're not smart enough, they're not fast enough, not rich enough, that they're sick, that they're facing this or that. Or, or God, I, I pray right now they would claim the victory that comes from your truth. Holy Spirit, stir our hearts. This windy and cold day when we could have stayed home in bed, We could have made a hundred excuses why not to be here. Each person in this room is here for a reason. Because they need to claim the victory that is theirs. Trust. It starts by saying, yes, God, I believe. Yes, God, I believe. Victory is mine. God, let that be our cry. Let that be our truth. Set people free to walk in victory. In your name I pray.